Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. And welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami heat. Well, before we begin this week's episode, I believe, you know, Last week there wasn't an episode, and I, Kenneth wanted to say something about that. Um, basically, man, we apologize, and we had a little snafu communication-wise at the top. Um, we had an episode recorded, but um, we just didn't realize that there was going to be a vacation taking place at the top. So um, while it isn't lost content, it was just practice for us to get better. Um, I was a little sick anyway, so it didn't sound the best, but we did try to give you something on BAM, a little bit of the free agency updates, and just all around heat news. Again, turns out there were vacations at the top, but we're back this week. And who knows, everything we said last week might have been wrong, because now we have real results. But with all that being said, um, speaking of those real results, it takes us to the sad portion of the show, which we'll start off with off top. Um, because there's a lot of great news to get to on the back end. We feel as though it would be less than respectful, less than right, um, and less than what he deserves to not honor Goran Dragic and what he's done for us um, over the last seven years right off top. I mean, just to be frank, it hurt. Um, I didn't want to see it happen. I still hope there's a chance that he retires as a member of the Heat, meaning I actually hope he plays a season, not a ceremonial retirement where he signs for a day just to retire. But it had to be done. It was a greater good move. And at the very least, at least Goran got all of his $20 million on the back end. Um, but that one hurt, JJ. That one really hurt. No, it won't hurt. It won't hurt. At least I feel like we did right by him, giving him that last contract and opting into his option. He's going to get paid regardless this season. I still feel really sad because, you know, he's leaving. Great memories. The consummate professional. I hope to see number seven up in the rafters of FDX Arena someday because that man gave us so much joy as Heat fans. Yeah, and you see a lot of people questioning that, but I think what he meant to us um, is retirement worthy. In the post-Big 3 era, when we were looking for an identity and a guy to come embrace us and, you know, help lead us and make us his own and, you know, um, just paste and paint his identity all over the squad, I think Goran did a great job at that. Um, He's a mini wrecking ball. He doesn't care. 
He's 180 pounds soaking wet, but he plays like a guy that's 250 all heart. And I just think that permeated the team. And when he was going, the team rallied behind him because you saw that in a great way, in the greatest of ways, of course, he didn't care. Whatever it took to try to get the win, he was willing to do it. Um, I mean, so I agree with you, man. He's had a retirement-worthy tenure with us. Yeah, and I think the high, the highest point for him, I think most people would agree, uh, as a member of the Miami, he was last, the the bubble run to the finals where he was just outstanding. Every time he would take our breath away with the, with his passion, his skill, and just uh, his heart. And I'm really happy to have seen him play for my favorite team, I I wish him the best in his for in his future endeavors and with his future team, whether that whether it be it with the Toronto Raptors or the long rumored reunion with with his Slovenian with his Slovenian teammate Luka Doncic in down in Dallas. Because let's be real, man, he's 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 going to Dallas, JJ. Let's be real. Toronto's probably going to buy him out, and he's definitely going to Dallas. And I want that for him. If he's not with us, I want him to be happy. And I think that'll be with Luca in Dallas. I agree with you. I think that's where he ultimately end up. It's the writing's been on the wall for a for a while there. He almost got traded. And people people I think often forget he almost got traded to Dallas, but the deal was called off. And you know, Goran, thank you for everything. Thank you for those years of of great play and being a professional for the Miami Heat and you know you will forever be a Heat legend. In other news let's move on to a bit of a more positive note. Kyle Lowry is finally a member of the Miami Heat as part of the sign and trade agreement alongside the with it with the Toronto Raptors. The Miami Heat will reportedly send Precious Achua, Goran Dragic as we mentioned earlier and a future second round pick. Now the second round pick, or you know, I, I maybe thought wasn't really necessary, but you know, we how we we know how the Heat front office feels about about draft picks. We basically, I think, we're the team and the team in the league that has the least amount of draft picks in the next couple of years. Well, you know, you can't trade consecutive. You can't trade your first round picks in consecutive years. And the Miami Heat are already out to like 2027 with their picks. I mean, just to kind of highlight your point, it's like, you know, infamously, Pat Riley has said out of his own mouth that he doesn't really like draft picks. You know, you don't win with young guys. But that doesn't mean that he won't take them or that doesn't mean that he doesn't know what to do with them. But he just doesn't like them. Um, So to your point, man, we're out to like 2027 for the, you know what I mean, looking at the actual picks we could trade because they've traded so many of them. Because as you said, Pat Riley and the co and the crew, they just, uh, you know, draft picks aren't their bag, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, at, at least our last couple of draft picks, well, well, not one of them is not with us, Precious Achua. He was our last draft pick, but Tyler Hero and, and Bam Adebayo have turned out to be pretty good. Anyway, Let's talk about Kyle Lowry. I'm really excited about this edition. We've been talking about it for months. 
I even went on another pod, talked about Kyle Lowry. I really thought we were getting him at the deadline. Masai at the last second said he was not going to trade Kyle Lowry, which again, I think kind of backfired for him because the reported offer, I think in the reported offer, Duncan Robinson was included in the trade deadline right. offer. I think that was a leverage play. And like you said, he screwed himself. He thought that he was going to create the market there, pull him back, and be able to flip him for a king's ransom in the offseason when in turn the pendulum swung the other way and instead of the pressure being on the other teams to make me an offer and woo me, the pressure then fell back to Masai to take the best offer out of the few that were out there. I think you hit on it and were spot on. It kind of backfired on him. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, Kyle Lowry, three years, $90 million. That was the rumored offer that he was seeking from his suitors, which included the Dallas Mavericks, New Orleans Pelicans, and the Miami Heat. It seemed like, though, leading up to the first day of legal tampering, I would say the, the day before that, it seemed like a done deal. Adrian Wojnarowski reported, you know, he gave as much confirmation as you can give without, right, without having Adam Silver call, call from the, from the NBA offices and start an investigation into tampering. Before you know, by July, I won't let you do that, Jose. I will not let you use that T word. Hey, I will not let you use it. We are not accepting that. Don't you accuse us of a crime? We are not accepting hey, you hey, for hey, that. Every I'm not. It's not a crime if everybody does it. Absolutely, but everybody's making a big deal about it because it's Pat freaking Riley. That burns my beans, man. Everybody does it, but the moment Pat Riley does it, it's a problem. Tosses papers in the air, walks off. I think people were a little bit irked about what happened last season with the Bucks, but it was just that, listen, the Bucks, the Bucks, uh They were mad that they got caught. They were mad that they're not as good as Pat Riley is at it. Come on. We know what that is, JJ. We know what that is. They were just mad that their GM got caught and our GM doesn't get caught. Well, you know, our president of basketball, Ops. Shout out to Andy Ellisberg and Adam Simon. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's part of it. Also, the fact that Bogdanovich didn't hadn't agreed to anything with the Bucks back then. He had said it himself. He he hadn't said that he was going to Milwaukee. But anyway, let's whatever. That was, that's that's in the past. Kyle Lowry, three years, ninety million. What are your first thoughts, Kenneth? It's a mixed bag with Kyle Lowry, man. Um, at first, I'll be honest, and we talked about this a bit. I didn't know if I wanted to pay him the ninety million. But then you start to think about it. Chris Paul actually got four and one twenty. That made you say to yourself, perhaps that was just the going rate for a star type point guard. At this juncture, let me ask you something, JJ, and this only sets up my other point, which is why I'm asking you. For the next two years, if you have a choice, who's your point guard? Cal Lowry or Lonzo Ball? For the next two seasons, hmm. I'm going to change the question up there. I'm going to just answer for one season. Well, that's, I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to have Kyle. Well, see, I didn't ask you three. I asked you two. I'm going to say Kyle Lowry ever so slightly because I think Lonzo could improve massively with Chicago, who, by the way, 
who by the way have done a, a full who have done a flurry of moves that we're, we're gonna get there we're gonna get there but you still chose cal Lai, right yes ever so slightly right. well right either way slightly a lot you still chose cal Lai. the point of it all is this lonzo got about 25 per 23 24 22 25 per so if you think about it if you think calor is slightly better then he should have got slightly more money you see what i'm saying and i'm not rationalizing as much as saying the market kind of dictated that be the number that isn't an overpay because the market set that number so after i got over the fact that we had to give him 30 million um it, it's a winning move it's a move to win and you can't ever be mad at a winning move so i was indifferent about the money but after i rationalized that with myself and start thinking about it logically from a basketball perspective and a business perspective and a market perspective it was what had to be done and again i mean kind of like similar to the going situation you don't like it at first but then you realize it's for the greater good and realize what you're left with and what we're left with is a move that puts us squarely in the room with the Brooklyns and the Milwaukee's. And I want to say it puts us a click above the Philadelphia's. I will say it puts us above Philadelphia. People, I don't know, for some reason, I've been reading, I've been listening to some other pods and people that know a bit more than me, but I can't quite understand why people are still so high on Philadelphia after we have seen from them for the past couple of seasons. And, you know, and the Ben Simmons situation, which... Apparently, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN reported that they're apparently fine with him well, returning be, man. next season. Which trade partners if, and they gave up all their leverage, but not before you get too far. This is why people probably still put Philly in that category. If Joel Embiid could be healthy for seventy-five of eighty-two games, he's a top three guy in the league. When, as we've talked about it, JJ, when you got one of those guys, you always got a shot. And yeah, Ben Simmons can't hit a jump shot, but he's an all-defensive player that's been an all-star. So when you got a top three guy and another guy, Ben Simmons magnitude, you always have a shot to be one of those. So that's probably why they said that, not to cut you off. To wrap up quickly, the, the Philadelphia point, I just don't see a way in which the locker room dynamics don't get a bit iffy with you when you bring him back because everybody was clearly upset at him. And Joel actually had a tweet as the, all of the free agency jazz was going on the other day that said, what is going on? I couldn't help myself, JJ. I had to. I retweeted and said, translation, why in the hell is Ben still here? Well, maybe because Daryl Morey is asking a ridiculous package for Ben Simmons. As you know, we got to walk a fine line there. Ben Simmons is 24 years old. He's under team control for four more years. He's an all-NBA guy when he's at his absolute best. But he needs a change of scenery, that's all. Anyway, sticking with the heat. Kyle Lowry. Really, um. My main takeaway of the, for this is I'm really excited how about how this helps Bam. I think he he's a good point of attack defender in the backcourt. A lot of you know, maybe he could, he's a downhill driver. He can go to the basket as well. But I'm, I really like his pull up shooting. It gives another dimension to our offense. It doesn't rely as much on on having Duncan Robinson just running around. Sometimes you just gotta worry about Kyle Lowry pulling up from from the mid range or from or from deep, and that's what. Ben's defenses the other way and allows Duncan more freedom and Jimmy and Bam as well. Now, speaking of our guy Duncan, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he got the largest contract handed out to an undrafted player ever in NBA history. Ever. 
largest contract for undrafted guy ever. Now, mind you, we're talking D3 Williams College. A lot of you guys know Michigan, Beeline. He found him at Division Three Williams College. So we're talking about a guy that came out and played at a community college and then worked his way up to Division One Michigan and then worked his way into the league as an undrafted guy and then proceeded to show off for the Heat on their summer league squad and then proceeded to catapult himself into being a rotational guy to being one of the primetime shooters on the Heat, to being one of the best shooters in the league, to arguably being the best shooter in the league. I know Steph Curry gets the respect, but Duncan Robinson has a clippy. To being a near $100 million guy, man, you got to just be proud of the guy, appreciative. And at this point, though, I would say, um, he got his money. We've paid him for what he's done on such a generous contract. Um, but we also paid him for the fact that now we need you to come back and to continue working on your game. I'm not saying I need you to be primetime Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttleworth with it, but I do need you to have one go-to drive move or something that you're working on because we paid you for that lethal clippy. We do. But you need to know that now you're going to have to be able to get that shot off. And sometimes that's going to take countering and, you know, that might come with other moves. But like you said, man, going from, you know, being an undrafted guy out of D3 to the highest paid undrafted guy ever, that's, you know, that's, hey, man, that's quite the pendulum swing, even for a guy like Debo. Really happy for him. You know, it was just a couple of years ago when he was announced on the Summer League roster and nobody knew who he was. Well, Duncan Robinson, the the world knows your name now. And... Your bank account is certainly much fatter now. So congrats to you. I think it was of our of our own free agents, I think it was pretty clear he was the most important guy to retain because we've been banging the drum. A lot of Heat Twitter has been banging the drum, pay Duncan Robinson, whatever it takes. And, you know, we, we got him. We got him back. He's so important to what we want to do. So important to what the team can be this season. This off, I think it's off the ball movement is the thing that separates him from other shooters, and if he can develop a game, a you know a go to driving move as you mentioned, that opens up a whole other dimension to our offense. I'm really excited to see this team next season, and I believe he'll be even better than he was last season. He last season he was he was quite good, not historically great like it was the previous season. It's like the Tyler Hero argument, man. When you're competing against yourself, when you're competing against the miraculous and marvelous numbers that you've put up already, it's going to be hard to beat yourself. But no, you were right. He was great last season. Um, And to touch on a point, man, you made a great point. A lot of people just look at his raw shooting and the shots that he's able to knock down to assess his value when it's so much bigger than that. He's like, if he's on the court, two guys have to be paying attention to him at all times. On top of the fact that he could catch the rock and knock down the shot, but two guys always have to be looking at him, minimally, at least two. So that allows other guys to have more freedom. And we describe it as gravity. It's just the amount of attention, eyes, and movement from the defense that Duncan Robinson creates by simply being Duncan Robinson, whether that's moving, whether that's catching, whether that's actually shooting, whether that's just threatening to move. I mean, the actual manipulation of the defense 
that he's able to create by simply doing what he does is a huge part of why he got the 90. Because that will allow everybody else on the heat to be able to eat just that much more freely. Um, and to hit on another point you made, a lot of our guys are like that, man. Um, you look at him and you actually, you know, look at what he went through last season. He had a great season, like I said, compared to himself, only bad. But he had a great season dealing with a lot of stuff. There was a time last year where not only didn't we think that Duncan might get the deal from us, but we didn't know if he finished last season with us. So playing through all that, and he noticeably got better after the trade deadline, him and Tyler Hero. So playing through all of that, man, and still overcoming and, you know, being him, you know, it kind of showed you that he was made of the right stuff, which I think, you know, also kind of went into them saying, hey, maybe we should keep this guy around. I agree. I really, I really want to see this Heat team. Look, imagine Duncan Robinson navigating Bam at a bio screens and the two new, another two, the two of our newest additions, PJ Tucker and Markeith Morris screens. Let's talk about PJ Tucker. I think that was the most surprising signing in the entire league from the first day of free agency. I did not expect to see him in a Heat jersey. I thought he was going to be back with Milwaukee, but as we all know, that didn't happen. Even he was surprised a bit, as per his Instagram post. I'm really sad, but I, I, I like it. At first, I was a bit iffy on it. I thought we, were, we could use our MLE on another guy. There were, there were some DeMar DeRozan rumors, which, you know, I always thought it was far-fetched for DeMar DeRozan to take the MLE, as we all right, saw. Right, right. I mean, come on, man. He got $30 million. Why would he take the 10? Um, not to cut you off because I want you to finish there, but I agree. I was shocked we got PJ. I hadn't heard the traction. PJ is a culture guy, though. So if PJ is going to come play for your team, you never, you, you can never be disappointed about that. But um, no, I was right there with you. Didn't think it was going to happen. Talk, speaking about culture, this is the meanest, toughest team that I can think of out there. Play the Miami Heat next season is going to be an absolute... It's going to be hell for the other teams to play. A bar fight, bro. It's going to be a bar fight. Every game. Every game's a bar fight, and I love it. I don't know. We, we might lead the league in technical fouls next season. I don't expect that to happen. Since Easy! Easy! And, you know, we've we got dogs on this team. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo. He, he, Bam might even show a bit of his, wild, of his wilder side next season. And that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that all this aggression and physicality around Bam will actually not make him mean or make him, you know, overly, overly aggressive to overcompensate, but it'll allow him to tap into his dog mentality because he moves like a dog. And the way he plays the game as far as exerting his physicality is dog-ish, but he just doesn't act like a dog, if you understand what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. Anyway, P.J. Tucker, lineup flexibility for us. Small, he's clearly going to be a, a small forward, power forward, most likely a power forward. I don't know who starts between him and Morris. I was going to get there. That the, the running thought is Morris starts and P.J. closes. Because, you know, P.J., on defense, he's really good. On offense, he's an absolute liability, as we saw in the playoffs. The guy 
basically lost his shooting touch. He doesn't do anything on offense, basically. But wouldn't that wouldn't that hint towards that though? If you think that he's he has to, because I don't think that he's just flat out lost it. I just think that in Houston, where he knew he was on the way out the door and unmotivated, he didn't really work on it any. And by the time he got to Milwaukee, it was just like a switch that's hard to flip when you got three guys taking seventy five percent of the shots between Drew, Chris, and John and Giannis. But I think he could find that corner three again because you know remember he's traditionally one of the best corner three-point shooters in the league. But I think that also hints to why you probably start Markeith and finish with PJ because Markeith was well, Morris Twins, whereas Marcus is the one who has the bigger offensive bag. The thing about both of them is they can do it all. So Markeith will be able to give you some points in that starting unit, whereas you want PJ there for your key defensive plays and clutch stops and hopefully to be able to knock down that corner three ball as he has over across the rest of his career. Also, I almost forgot to mention we brought back the Wayne Detman. Another guy was clamoring. To I wasn't going to forget the dead man. I wasn't going to forget because he's another dog. So there you go. There you have it. You have the probably the meanest team in the NBA with still a couple roster spots left to, left to fill. We still have, need a backup point guard. I'm holding on hope that maybe Dennis Shooter takes a, a really small offer. What? No Listen, way. Hey, no, the man what? wanted 100 mil, JJ. Well, what else is out there for him? Roster spots are drying up. Roster stops, excuse me, roster spots are drying up. There's not a lot of, there's no money out there. The Knicks were the last team that I thought that could he could go to. They signed Kemba Walker this morning after Kemba Walker reached a buyout agreement with Oklahoma City, as was reported by Sham Sharania and Adrian Wojnarowski. Does he go? He goes back to OKC? I don't think so. He wants, he clearly wants to win unless, and I don't think OKC wants to throw the bag that he wants at him. So I don't know. There's a, there's basically not a lot of place to go where he can get the playing time he, he wants. And the money, well, the money is already out the window. The Lakers are not bringing him back. They signed, I think this was the surprise for me of, of the entire free agency, Kendrick Nunn going to the Lakers for two years. 10 million basically a one-year deal because the second year is a player option right he kind of i think kendrick nine kind of screwed himself there he probably could have got that for one year i don't know what it is about la um maybe he just wanted to live in la for a year but now he's going to be pretty much living out there for free because after he paid taxes and all that he's probably gonna make like 1.8 million dollars it's just a strange deal for me i'm not counting the man's money it's just a strange deal because i feel like he could have got more he absolutely could have got more. I thought he was going to get more. Well, there were reports out there that he did have an offer from the Knicks that that paid more annually, but he decided to go to the Lakers. I guess he just saw it as an opportunity for a ring. Now the Lakers have Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, a whole plethora of guys who, by the way, they signed, They had the signing of the offseason once again. Malik Monk for the minimum. I think that's the steal of the offseason for any team. I disagree with that, too. And you saw a lot of revisionist history about Malik Monk and how Heat fans were mad that they didn't get him and that the Lakers were able to get him for the minimum. Here's the thing about Malik Monk. Yeah, he killed us. I agree with you. But at his best, when he's the guy that makes him so desirable, he's a volume chucker that hits a lot of those shots that he chucks up. He didn't do that often. And how often is he's gonna is he gonna get the volume in L.A. And how often would he have gotten that same volume in Miami? 
well, if he's not getting the volume, he can't be the guy that you think you want to have on your team, regardless of what you're paying. So I don't see that as being as influential a move for them or as influential a loss for anybody else, including us. I disagree. Well, I think he's going to play with two elite playmakers in LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. And the rim pressure that those, see, two, you, those two guys... You're also... Go ahead. The rim pressure that those two guys provide, alongside Anthony Davis, that's going to make... That's going to give him a lot of open shots, and those two guys will find him. I think you're discounting the situation there, man. Think about it. They brought THT back. They brought in Kendrick Nunn. They brought in Monk. They brought Carmelo back. Trevor Ariza back. It's a slew of other guys, man. I'm just not sure how much opportunity will be there for the rest of those guys when you're talking about a lineup that's always going to stagger one or two of Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. We know LeBron's going to take a lot of breaks um, to kind of, you know, keep his body as fresh. But still, it's only one ball to go around. And when you're talking Russell Westbrook alone, that's already like, you know, 50% of the ball responsibilities right there. I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Now, going back to the Heat, Gabe Benson and Max Struess returned as well. So we got the Struess lose and Gabe Nomdi Vincent. They're back with us. They're, I think they signed for two years, 3.8 million, if I'm not mistaken. So not a lot of money committed to those guys, but at least they got off their two way contracts. So they officially have a spot in the NBA. Congrats, congrats to them. They worked hard. They each had their, their moments. Gabe Vincent with his defense. Max Truce with his, with his shooting. I'm, uh, I'm happy for them as well. Now, we've got other couple other holes to fill. Another depot question to answer. It looks like I'm really, really sad for Oladipo because he's gone from being a, an almost max level player to a guy that's not getting any interest for even a minimum deal. And all that's due to this knee. I mentioned it as soon as, as the surgery was announced. I, I said it, his career is in jeopardy. I mean, one more surgery and he's done, I guess, right? Because those knees, that'll be, that's his second surgery on the same knee. If he has to go through another major procedure, you're not going to be able to trust that, that leg again. I mean, I agree with you. Um, we're not talking about like scopes or anything. We're talking about major procedure so after one more like you said man you won't be able to trust it now here's the thing about Oladipo I struggle to believe that nobody offered him anything I think for me personally it's a depot thing I think that he's not taking the deal until he can prove one way or another personally because I mean I'm sure man somebody has had to have offered him the minimum just on a proven situation don't you think I think we, I think that he should be one of the teams offering him the minimum, and it gives him. We keep his birth rights. We have firsthand medical knowledge of his situation. He'll probably be back what, by December, I think. By December, right? Some people are saying December, man, but some people are actually hinting towards. You know, they undersold the timeline that he might actually be out for the whole season. So it's kind of, it's kind of mucky right now. Right, that's what makes that, that's what gives me pause. So then you got to factor in that if you offer him a deal. So any there, the the backup point guard market is drying up. George Hill signed. I don't I don't remember with with who, but he did sign. So now that leaves Dennis Schroeder, who 
still has not received an he hasn't received the reported offer i think so then we have oh man that's with a backup point your situation is a bit if he at least we address the power forward situation with Marquise and pj i agree with you on the point that maybe Marquise starts and pj finishes the games i'm really curious to see how both of those guys fit alongside bam because as we as i mentioned pj on offense he was a bit of a zero last year and then you got Marquise, who's not a an excellent shooter he had that one season i think it was with detroit where he shot almost 40 percent from deep so if he can get back to that type of that type those type of numbers then that would be pretty cool i believe and then you know the other you know, guys maybe gabe benson improves max Trues as well but what i really want to see is how bam plays alongside Kyle Lowry because I think playing with that type of a playmaker having those two type of playmakers on the floor at the same time with Jimmy and Kyle that's gonna open up a whole lot of bam and the fact that that he is gonna be playing with a lot of dogs on this team he might it might bring out a bit a bit out of him now another guy that I'm really excited to see how much he improves with all these additions is Tyler Hero and I believe Tyler Hero, and I'm going to say Bam and Tyler Hero are the two key guys in which our success hinges on this coming season. Because now Tyler Hero is going to be the lead bench guy, unquestionably. Last season it was Dragic, now he's going to be Tyler. Tyler's going to have that that role all to himself. He's going to be the the sixth man. And then Bam's yeah. going to be playing. Yeah? No, I would agree with you. I would say that. Bam and Tyler are probably the two guys here that not necessarily just with the most approved, but they saw their opportunity and their situation get the best. As you hinted on with Tyler, not only does he not have Goran Dragic to compete with anymore or Kendrick Nunn to compete with for their league guy, not that he, you know, didn't like them or had a problem competing with them. I'm just saying it's like, like you said, now he's the clear cut six man. Like, it's your job to come in off the bench and make sure that our bench doesn't lose us the game. It's your job. Take the shots, hit the shots. But also, I think that it takes pressure off of him because now with a lot of other guys and talent in tow, though we're going to count on him to be one of our main guys, like I said, our sixth, seventh guy off the bench, to be that leader of the bench and make sure we're not, you know, being outscored on a night-to-night basis from a pine basis. But it also takes that pressure off of him to be one of the main guys because as i said the reason that a lot of people erroneously might i add have found themselves able to criticize tyler is because he hasn't lived up to the expectation that they've set for him well tyler was just a second year guy because he was so good in his rookie year you kind of expected him to be able to do that but the league made adjustments and you know that second year wall is real at the end of the day, he was still just a second-year guy. And if you look at his numbers, he still improved across the board. It just didn't look the same because you had different expectations and because the pressure on him was different. Well, with the new talent we've added and the new guys we brought in, that takes some of the pressure off of him to be the third-best player, the fourth-best player on the team. You know what I mean? Because over the last season or so, they were kind of looking at him like, okay, you're the fourth best player. You're the fifth best player. We need you to act like it. Whereas he just wasn't ready. 
I mean, he's a very good player and he helps us. It's just that, you know, he hit the wall last season and, you know, that's a learning curve that all young players, even the greatest ones, have to encounter. So I think that the level of expectation that was put on him last year was not only unfair, but it was one that didn't foster an environment for him to be able to, you know, succeed the way we had got used to see him his rookie year. So I just think that with the new additions to the team, it not only takes some pressure off of him, but as you said, it kind of lets him know you're the clear-cut guy, um, which is a confidence-boosting thing. So I think we're going to see the best of Tyler and the best of Bam again this year because the new additions will just allow them to be fully more and freely, you know, the best versions of themselves. I agree. Also, the fact that he's having a real offseason and he's having a really long offseason. That's important, JJ. Super important. That makes it so, as you said, important for him, for his development. Gives him time to work on his game and rest, you know, improve his body, put on some muscle. He, I think he mentioned that he wants to put on a bit of muscle on him. So good for him. Now let's talk about the departures. Kendrick Nunn, as we mentioned, went to the Lakers. Uh, I thought he might have gotten more on the market. He essentially got the same money that we would have given him with the qualifying offer, but the Heat all of a sudden pulled the qualifying offer from him, making him an unrestricted free agent. I think we bit ourselves right there too, though. And we, I want to talk about that after we talk Kendrick Nunn. I want to let's not forget that because I think we kind of hurt ourselves there by pulling the offer. Right, exactly. And then he got basically the same deal. I think he, what, the qualifying offer was worth $4.8 million and uh, and what he signed with the Lakers. Give or take. And he signed with the Lakers for $5 million, so what, $200,000? That's, that's nothing in, in an NBA contract. But he went to Lakers. I guess he felt he had the best chance at a ring there. I don't know. It's a bit early to go ring chasing, Kendrick. But whatever. You know what, man? I'm going to be honest, man. Kendrick Nunn is the type of dude, he's the type of dude that is a Chicago dude, man. And I say that to say Chicago dudes, they thrive off of having something, having a ghost to chase. Do you know what I mean? Like Chicago dudes thrive off of feeling as though somebody's slighting them. Dwayne Wade, D. Rose, you know what I mean? Just to name a couple. And I think Kendrick Nunn kind of has a little bit of that with him because I can't for the life of me figure out why LA and the only thing I could think of is maybe he feels as though he's nudging the heat organization a little bit by going to LA that's the only thing I think of man because I mean arguably like you said he got two for ten look man there are deal I'm sure there were deals out there where he could have where he could have got that for one year or close eight nine if not the whole ten right I, I always thought that the Knicks were the ones that were going to go after him. But he ended up going to L.A. Whatever. Wish him the best. The Lakers. No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't wish him the best. We want to crush him every time we see him. We want to make him a, a, a liability on defense. We want to expose him. You know, we want to we want to show L.A. why we rescinded the offer. No, I kid. Um, we wish K-9 all the best. We want to beat you every time we see you, K-9, but we appreciate what you did for us, man. You were another one of those guys like Duncan, where we plucked you from the Golden State, um, you know what I mean, development team, and I'm sure they were mad after we, you know, 
to help you put your skills on display and show what you can do. So big up for you, man. You came and you turned yourself into, you know, another guy capable of getting rich by playing ball. So we appreciate you. We hope you do well. But like I said, man, we want to beat you every time we see you. For the love of us, though, we can't figure out how you cheated yourself out of that money because you could have got what you got for two years for one. That's all we're saying, k None. We're saying you're better than the money you got. That's all. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, let's move on to... We already mentioned that Gorn most likely does not end up in Toronto. I also want to mention something, Gorn. You, you, you just got to keep doing this, don't you, JJ? You, you, you saw the pain. You, you, you know the pain that it brings me to think about this. I'm getting watery-eyed over here. I'm, I'm going to deal with it, though. Go ahead. Carry on. To quote Kendrick Perkins. Last, I'm going to mention about this, but Goran did mention something in, in, on Slovenian TV that I found really interesting. Istok Franco on Twitter said that Goran Dragic on Slovenian TV in an interview about the trade to Toronto, he mentioned, I haven't heard from Toronto yet. I'm still waiting for the news. Everything depends on the third team. We'll have the news in the next few days. So as we suspected, everything is a bit quiet on the on the Kyle Lowry deal front because there will be a third team involved, most likely the Dallas Mavericks, because he's long been a, a Dallas Maverick target. But I'm intrigued because he did mention the, the third team, as we all been suspecting. So I guess on Friday, when everything can be officially announced, we shall know who the third team is. Heck yeah. Absolutely. It's already in place. Just to kind of entertain me for a minute. I know we do this from time to time, but two minutes. Looking at Dallas's roster, who do you think is coming back to, to, to Toronto? Dwight Powell, probably. Did he sign? Did he just, did he, did he sign a new? No, that no, was, that was I'm Carly sorry. Stein. Yes, that was Carly Stein. Okay. So, and the Raptors have a needed center. So they would say so they would gladly take him. Although, you know, Dwight Powell's a solid player. Absolutely. I think he's underrated though because of the injury. Um he was one of those guys that doesn't pop. He's like he's like a bam light. Um whereas they're capable of a lot more, but they just don't do it for some reason. Right now they just want to excel at being very good at everything. It's just that Bam is figured out how to do that at a high level much earlier than Powell has. But Powell is one of those guys where you're looking at him and you're looking at his skill set and you're looking at his physical gifts, his size, his athletic ability, even after the injury, um, which he's shown to, you know, be on the way back from. He hasn't gotten all the way back, but you see some things that make you think, okay, it's still all there. Um, He's just one of those guys, man, where you're like, yo, you should be doing so much. You know who he reminds me of? And I'll be honest with you, not quite exactly the same, but trajectory-wise, he reminds me of Jeff Green. Um, and if you look at Jeff Green in his later years, like over the last three or four years, Jeff Green has started to do all of that stuff that you looked at Jeff Green for so long as his career unfolded and said, hey, Jeff, why aren't you doing that? And he started to do that. And Powell kind of gives you those same vibes. Like Powell is a very skilled big man um, at nearly seven foot. And he's not just a lumbering big man. He's an exciting athletic big man when he's right. So you kind of just wonder why he doesn't fully display his skills. It's like he wants to play in the confines of the team offense too much. Um, I also look at Brunson in Dallas because, you know, a lot of people thought that Toronto would take Suggs, even though they took, I want to say Beeman. Scott Barnes. 
the Barnes, the different, sorry, not Scotty Beeman. I'm thinking any given Sunday, wait a minute, but Scotty Barnes, um, the defender. So that, that's, that's Toronto profile. That didn't shock me after the pick came in. However, they had a chance at Suggs and they didn't take him. Now, my theory there, and I don't know if we talked about this here, but I talked about this with somebody. It didn't shock me because then what you're doing is you're getting rid of one small point guard because you don't want him and Fred Van Vliet to be your backcourt to shrimps to bring in another smallest point guard to play beside Fred Van Vliet. It didn't, that didn't necessarily jive well with me to use that high of an asset to do that. However, I could see them being interested in a Brunson in this deal because even though it's another smallish point guard, shooting guard type, you're not spending the number four pick to do it. So that's just curious to me. That would, Who be, might a they really, bring back? That would be a really tiny backcourt. It would be, but I'm just trying to think of their needs and, you know, what else they can get. Just give me some more suggestions, JJ. No, I don't see a move for them out there, but that's a tiny, tiny backcourt. Jalen Brunson and Fred Bambley are about the same height. They're about six feet tall. That's a tiny. I agree. I agree. But the benefit could be neither of them are strictly point guards and neither are strictly two guards. Either one of them could initiate and either one of them could slide to the wing on any given play. That would be the benefit if you had to find one. I'm just excited to see my guy OG Anunoby Unleashed. Yeah, you know, you're you're a big OG fan. I'm going to have to check your heat card because you really like OG Anunoby. We'll, we'll, we'll talk after the show. I do love me some long, rangy wings that can defend. I've been a Jeff Green believer since forever. And good for him. He signed He signed a really good deal with, yeah, with Denver. I know. That deal really made me mad, man, because I wanted Jeff Green. Jeff Green was the type of vet that we needed. Now, we got a bunch of good ones. But like you said, Jeff Green, I was shocked because he hasn't typically signed those deals. But I guess he finally got smart and said, hey, man, I'm helping all these teams, and I'm such a key contributor. I'm wanted out here in these streets. Let me go get me a little money. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him as well, and he gets to play with Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP. Um, really, and he's been an Jeff Green has been an improved defender and three point shooter. So I'm really ex- he's gonna be so good for Denver, bro. So good for Denver. Oh man, that's 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 a really good signing for for them. He's gonna give them a bit more on offense than but Paul Millsap was giving them, and maybe the drop off on defense is not as huge for them so really really good signing by by the nuggets i really wanted jeff i don't know if it'll be a drop off man because while you may look at him and say hey he's not as good a man up or statistical defender i think that the versatility that he offers you jeff green could literally guard one through five he could i mean he's not a guy that you're going to put on your point guard and say hey guard him all game but if you had to put him on him for a quarter's worth of time, you wouldn't feel uncomfortable about it. So I, so or, I think or he can that, stay with him on a switch, which now that I think about it, he would have been absolutely. so good. One, one through five, bro. One through five. I'm glad for him. He finally he finally signed a, a non-minimum deal. Good for him. Right, right. And that's, and that's exactly what I hinted towards. So you're looking at him. You're looking at MPJ. You're looking at they still have Aaron Gordon for two more years, right? I believe so. And then they got Jokic. They got Murray. They re-upped, they re-upped Monte, didn't they? I think so as well. Listen, the, Denver, those front court... Denver's doing something out there. Those front court combinations in Denver are going to be fun as hell. You know, you can you can trot out a Jokic, Green, MPJ lineup. Then you can replace... 
one of bro, bro you got here's your five think about this five bro think about the the size and versatility you got murray at your one mpj and gordon one of them they're your two and your three you tried out green at the four and Jokic at the five now usually your problem when you're that big is defending but those guys are so athletic that they shouldn't have a problem staying in front of wings what do you think? the only guy I worry about is mpj because mpj can't defend a lick Right, and he's never going to be a defender anyway. So regardless of who you put him out there with, you know you're going to have to help him. So what I'm saying is I don't think that's a terribly big surprise. On offense, though, that uh, that, that lineup, if they trot out that lineup, that's going to be a problem because Jokic will find – or Gordon is a cutter, he'll find him. Jeff Green is spotting up, finding him. MPJ, he can shoot, he can cut. And dunk on the whole team. It's 130 points just walking on the court. Exactly. That that lineup is going to be really fun. Denver is one of my league pass teams to watch when the Heat are not playing that night. Or whenever they play the Heat, they're going to be fun to watch. Hey, look, man, you got a lot of other favorite teams that watch JJ. We're really going to have to have a stern discussion. You got a lot of other I love, teams you like I to love watch. the Miami Heat to death. But I also enjoy... Okay, and all I right. Also, that's, that's good enough. I'll take that. I also I'll enjoy some really good NBA basketball. Okay, fair enough. You You, you cleaned it up. Um, speaking cleanup, man, we're on minute 50 here and not that we want to leave early, but we, you know, try to kind of keep ourselves tempered so we don't go too far over, um, you know, give the guys up top a lot to listen to, but to kind of, like you said, clean up things, man, we don't have to concern ourselves with belly anymore. We don't have to concern ourselves with Trevor Ariza anymore. Not that we say that to say we didn't want them. We say that to say that there's no possibility that we'll be able to bring them back. Because even though it was heavily rumored that Belly was considering going back to Europe, it looks like he's now signed with the Warriors. As we mentioned, Trevor Ariza signed with the Lakers. Fresh aggression. I wrote um, a couple of days prior to free agency that the LA Lakers were all in on culture. And it turns out they were. Got Kendrick Nunn, got Ariza. Andre Iguodala's still out there. Wouldn't surprise me any, you know, wouldn't surprise me any if they, you know, looked into him, if they still had a roster spot. Actually, wouldn't surprise me any if we brought him back, which was my theory from the start. No, don't mean to cut you up, but they have two open roster spots, although I expect one of them to go to Jared Dudley as their as their own EUD. Absolutely. Or Richard Jefferson, who said he was ready to take on a one-year deal. Um, he said he would play Jared Dudley one-on-one for that final spot. I mean, like you said, man, it's it's just... It's actually phenomenal what's happened this free agency um, from all sides. But like you said, especially from our side, man, we got a lot better. And Pat, Adam Simon, and Andy Ellsberg did it the way that only they could. Um, we basically flipped a rubber band and a paper clip into a totally new roster capable of being an Eastern Conference champion and thus an NBA champion. And you just have to love it. Um, to those final roster spots that we have, I want to ask you something, J.J., Last night, of course, we're recording on Wednesday here today. So last night, which would have been Tuesday, the Miami Heat and the Lakers opened up in the California Classic portion of the Summer League. Did you see any of the Summer League play from Tuesday night? I did not because I was not at home. But I did see the final stat line for our guy, Omar, year seven, right? That's how you see Oh, yeah. That's so maybe he could take one of those final roster we'll call spots. Him Yurt. We'll call him Yurt for now because we have to hear somebody else say his last name to make sure that we're getting it right. But we'll call him Yurt or Omer. Either way, he was beastly. Beastly. Looks like we, if he keeps this up, we might have another diamond in the rough. Absolutely. And he might not be the only one. I do want to see more of Dejan Giroux out of Houston, who we didn't see a ton of Tuesday. 
But I'll tell you what. There's a guy from Kansas named Marcus Garrett. And listen, here's my thing about rookies, and especially undrafted rookies. Undrafted rookies, they make teams and make an impact by being able to do a little bit of everything until they can highlight their special skill. Unless their special skill is doing a little bit of everything. Shout out to Draymond Green. Marcus Garrett is one of those guys that just he's always around the ball. He finishes. He defends. He can handle. He's 6'5". And he doesn't mind getting in the mess. And you saw that early and you saw that often in Tuesday night's game. And, I mean, it's just he looks like a heat guy, man. So that's another guy that if you really wanted to focus on some of the undrafted guys that might have a chance at making the regular squad and definitely guys that would take on the two-way contracts, I would say Marcus Garrett is probably at the top of the list. You also have to look at um, the point guard out of LSU um, that we took a a gamble on. I want to say his name is Javante Smart. Um, He had a... I mean, just a beautiful no-look pass to Yurt last night to set Yurt up for just a massive finish at the rim. Um, You look at Smart, you look at Marcus Garrett. Um, You also like what Micah Potter brings from a size, versatility, skill set perspective. He's another big that can shoot it, that can handle it, that can pass it. So you like what he do, man. Um, There's a lot of talent on that Miami Heat Summer League roster, Um, and we have to see it all. But it's going to be a real battle coming down the stretch of who get those last two-way slots. And another reason for mentioning that was because we mentioned that they have to fill out the rest of the regular season roster. And it wouldn't surprise me a bit. I'm, I'll go ahead and say it. Before Summer League's over, Yurt's going to get a standard contract from us. It wouldn't surprise me a bit if Garrett or Smart got one of those last standard contracts just so we could take the other two two-way contracts and give it to the other guy we didn't give the contract to, Garrett or Smart, and another guy. Because, I mean, there's some talent on that Summer League roster. So, for all you guys, check it out when you get a chance. And, of course, for my esteemed co-host, check it out when you get a chance. I will definitely get it, check it out whenever they play next. In Sacramento, they're playing right now, and also when they play in Las Vegas. Now, very quickly. One of those last few roster spots, I really wanted to go to a backup point guard because, as you saw, Tyler Heroes should not be the backup point guard right now. So I'm I'm, really, I'm a bit worried about that. The forward rotation, I think, is fine. Casey's going to probably play behind Jimmy. And then you've got PJ and Markeith in the other in the fourth slot. And then Bam and Detman, the five. Yurt could probably play behind those two, maybe get some minutes if he really... If he really earns it, I know Spo likes to trot out the young guys early in the season to see what he has. Also, mostly out of necessity, last season he played a lot of precious. Also, very quickly now, I wanna, I wanna give a shout out to our guy Precious. He only played one season here in Miami. I, I, I get the potential. I saw it. He, he flashed some of it, particularly in the Olympics, and with the Heat, Ener- high energy guy. And with the Raptors development system, the guy is probably going to go through the two best development systems in the entire NBA. So I think it's going to be really good for him. And he goes to a Toronto team that doesn't 
have the expectations that the Miami Heat have this season. So he's probably going to get more playing time, going to have a chance to make more mistakes. And those, the to wrap it up, the Raptors have a really interesting forward combo because they have OG, Pascal, Scotty Barnes, and now Precious Achua. All four of those guys could potentially become high, you know, all four of those guys can be high-impact defenders. So on the offensive end, that there's a bit more of a question, which is why Pascal and OG right now are much further ahead of them. Well, did we cover everything, Kent? you want to say anything else? I want to second that notion. Shout out to Precious. Only the ballot survive. I really like Precious, and I think Precious is still going to blossom into a hell of a player. Again, it was just one of those situations where we saw a opportunity to get much better now, and it took Precious's contract to be able to do it. Again, I was a big Precious supporter. I was one of those guys saying, fall back off Precious. We're expecting him to be a power, power guy when he's a quick power guy. And like you said, being able to go up there in that Toronto development system and play with OG and play with Pascal and play with the rest of the crew, I think that's really going to be good for him because, as you said, he's going to get the minutes, he's going to get the opportunity, but he's also going to be submersed in a culture that's more closely resembling to the culture that he knows. Canada is famously a little more diverse than us, so I think that there'll be a certain comfort level there too that'll help him, you know, facilitate a more blossoming developmental effort. So, you know, I like that situation for Pascal. I mean, not Pascal. I like that situation for Precious as well, because as you mentioned, if you're not going to be in the Heat's development system, the only other development system that I would equate to being equitable to ours is Toronto. Another quick tidbit before we go to one of those last roster spots. There's a name out there, and of course, I'm always a little further behind than you because most of the world is up a couple of hours before I am. But... How do you feel about Lou Williams? I think he either goes back to Atlanta or retires. <laughs> well, there's intru- There's actually a report out there that the Bucks are interested. I don't think Lou retires because Lou still has a lot left in the tank. Um, and Lou is one of those guys where, you know, he doesn't have to put in a lot of effort to get you 12 points a game. and He can do that with his eyes closed. So I don't think he retires. Um... I actually wouldn't mind Lou as a guy for us. So that's a name to keep an eye out for because he's still out there. Like you said, we need a backup point guard. To close for me, I would say to your point about Spo trying the young guys early, don't be shocked when we give Gabe a chance to secure that backup point guard role. I think from an offensive perspective, not shooting, as we know he struggled at that a bit, um, just running the offense and being able to get them into their stuff, I think that'll be the major test for him because defensively, as we've seen, when he's actually played defense, because he's one of their he was one of their biggest offensive threats um, as far as Nigeria in the Olympics. But once he actually engages himself on defense, I think he'll be comfortable on that side. It's just the getting the second unit into their stuff, quote unquote, that I think will be the test for him. But I think he'll get all the opportunity in the world to see if he can do that. I want to close this off with one final thought. Schroeder, take the take the BAE. Come here for for the biannual exception, three point eight million. I know you. I know there's nothing. Facepalm, facepalm, JJ. Face hey, palm. I'm just saying, options are drying up rather quickly for him, unless the Wizards' Dinwiddie deal falls off. True, true. Because he's another guy who a lot of people thought would get a lot of interest quick. And just hasn't materialized. I mean, it, it. I know we're supposed to go, man, but I got to mention it. 
if you're Bradley Bill, are you just stubborn at this point? Hey, I got it. Maybe this might sound hot takey. But with Dimwitty and the return they got for Westbrook, the Wizards are not going to be bad. I, no, they, they can definitely be a four or five seed in the East if it all comes together. Is that enough to make – all you got to do is get into the tournament. Listen, that's, that's – I mean, let's just be real. In the NBA, um, it's more top-heavy and it's a little more predictable. But in any situation, all you're looking to do is get into the tournament. Is that enough talent, though, once they get in? That gives them a chance to make a run and beat somebody. No, That's the question but, you have to ask yourself. I mean, and the, what I meant was in the regular season, I think they can be quite solid. They got Tres, they got Kuzma, they got KCP, Dimwitty, and Beal. That's actually a solid, a solid. That's a solid lineup. It is, but is Beal playing to just be good in the regular season? Ah, that's where, that's where the th- the conundrum comes in. And that's why I meant, man, that has to be like a stubbornness, man, because he's like dead set in his ways. I'm not leaving Washington. I'm not leaving. That's something. And he can also sign a giant extension (laughs) probably pretty soon. Well, you know, that helps, too. That helps. North of $200 million. So, you know, that helps as well. $200 million are always nice. Anyway. I think that wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Pod. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please leave a short review and a five-star rating if you can on Apple Podcasts as it helps us grow. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. I'm really excited for this coming season, Kenneth. I really like what we've done this offseason. This is the ultimate heat culture team of my probably my NBA fandom, so I would agree, man. Sign Alonzo Morning, bring back Timmy Hardaway, sign Brian Grant up, and let's start a fight. It's gonna be, as you mentioned, a bar fight every game. Every game, every game. Oh, we're gonna lead the le- we're gonna lead the lead in text. We're definitely gonna lead the league in text. But this is the type of team that Pat Riley likes. This is the New York Knicks '90s, the '90s New York Knicks, New York Knicks template. Not, not, absolutely. We can come in and hit a few shots, but mainly we just want to punch you in the mouth every night. I mean, pretty much. Exactly. So, to conclude, a message to the rest of the teams, the 305 culture gun, goons are coming for you. The goons in in South Beach. Them goons in South Beach. Why have I quoted Kendrick Perkins so much today? Kendrick was right about that. So, anyway, thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.